0: Hello and welcome to the Get Stuck In podcast. I'm Max and I'm back here with Sam. Um, a little bit later this week, but we've got two guests on later in the show. But for now, we're going to do our sort of roundup of the weekend's results, the midweek results, and we're going to start at Old Trafford. Um, Southampton got handed <laughs> the same scoreline that got handed to them last season by Leicester at their own round, 9-0. Um, goals from Fernandes, 2 for Martial. Even one for Wamba Saka in that mix, um, two red cards as well. What did you make of it? I mean, it was bizarre.
1: I remember I didn't, I didn't have the game on at the time, and um, I checked the score about twenty, thirty minutes in, and I was like, "Oh, it's already four <laughs> nil." I saw the red card, and I was trying to find the tackle online, and it just seemed like we sort of mentioned just before. It's difficult when you see this kind of scoreline as much as United have been in good form, and obviously this is a great result, and obviously everyone at United deserves praise, it's just one of those results that is so um, bizarre and random and just one-off, like the last time they lost 9-0, like when Villa beat Liverpool 7-2, like when United themselves lost 6-1. It's just, it doesn't feel like a real game. It just... There's so many factors that come to play, like an early red card or something, but full credit to United they put into bed. I mean, how many times do you watch a game and a team wins maybe three or four net and you just think, like, why did they stop going? They could have carried on and United did it. Um, Kind of bizarre that it wasn't a hat-trick, but uh, yeah, like I said, a lot of goals from a lot of players. McTominay got a goal, having been a player on the end of the tackle, so... Great for United, especially with their little downturn in results prior to this game. Interesting for Southampton now to see what they do. I mean, they stuck with Hassan told last time. Obviously, I don't see him getting sacked for this, but it'll be interesting to see how he can react, um, see if they can keep up their push for Europe.
0: Yeah, I mean, Southampton had a, had a great start to the season, and the first half of the season, even, and but now they've lost, I think, four straight. So they're on a little bit of a down downward spiral which i, I didn't personally see coming i thought they maybe level out a little bit but um i trust in hassan Hütel very much so so i don't see this being a um a massive sort of downturn for them and i don't think they'll spiral all the way down the table um by no means i think they'll still finish top half of the table um i think i think it wasn't helped two minutes in um, i think it was a debutant Jankovic who got um, sent off so I mean straight away you're on the back foot you really don't help yourselves and you don't help the team um, when you start off like that so I think I think a loss was inevitable at that point but I certainly didn't see 9-0 coming so we'll move on to <laughs> to the best result of the last few days of course um, and that was Arsenal losing 2-1 to Wolves um, which included some rather, in my opinion, shambolic refereeing decisions. Um, no less than the red car for David Luiz for an apparent intentional trip in the box for a penalty. Double jeopardy, might I add. Um Yeah, I, I mean <laughs> for you, um I can't imagine I can't imagine the thoughts flying through your head, uh when at the end of that game.
1: I just had I honestly had no my- I was not well, <laughs> a lot of words for one man in particular. Um, I felt bad for everyone. I was watching my flatmate, and he was just sitting there, just listening to the run. I mean, it, it was so frustrating because we've been so poor recently, and I've been so almost at peace with that. And every game you go into, you're just like, a draw's a good result, I'll take it, that's an improvement. And we finally had this little run. Smith rose looking unreal. Saka is just obviously missed out the Man United game, which just said so much. The reaction to that—he's so clearly our probably our best player now. Um, he was back. Everything felt. I feel like it kind of felt um, as close to our best team we've had in a while. But probably Aubameyang, who could only make the bench, and Tierney still out. But Cedric's been incredible. We, we hit the we hit the post about a minute in. Party put in Saka for a goal, and then we Saka scores an incredible finish on his weak foot, disallowed, rightfully. But you know, fresh that frustrating. Like one meter, one inch from VAR. I mean, the Perpe scores a blinder from left wing, and obviously he's picked up a little bit, and he's thinking, "Ah, oh, this is we're actually good." I know Wolves aren't in form at the moment, but it's a tough place to go, and we just looked so comfortable, and I was just so happy, and I <laughs> allowed myself to get sucked in. And I have to say, when it first happened, before I saw any replays, I was just annoyed at David Luiz because I thought he—I I thought he had pulled him down, which obviously he's got a bit of history there. And he did it with Salah at, at Anfield, and I was just thinking, why don't you just let him score? Like we're so on top, he may—you you never know—he might miss, but we can come—we can come back and take the lead again from a one-one. So I was just annoyed with him. And Then as the replays came rolling in, it just became apparent that it was—I mean—the the contact is tiny, and it looks unintentional. Um, I've, I'm not too offended about it being a penalty, but being a red card it just seems like I just can't kind of get my head around how that can be a red card, especially with that double jeopardy also, you know, and then the second half I mean the Leno one is just the same thing I don't even know how you describe that it's just mental Vecina's goal is incredible, but what frustrates me is um, Wolves aren't about their players are incredible and they always have been and it was like it was like us when we beat Chelsea a few weeks ago. Suddenly everyone became their normal selves again. And it's no surprise at all that once Wolves got their mojo back, which all it takes is a equaliser, especially before half-time, you've got that momentum going, and you're playing 10 men now. And they just turned it back on. They just became the old selves. They had confidence. Matinho got an absolute scrutiny. You can't take anything away from that. But it's just frustrating because my hunch is that he wouldn't have even been shooting had the incident in the first half not happened. So, it's frustrating and I think there was dodgy decisions in the Man United game. There's dodgy decisions in every single game this season. It feels like, um, I feel but, yeah, I'm feel sorry for confident about us.
0: I feel um, sorry for Matinho. I, I feel like it was, it is one of the goals of the season, but I've, I mean, I've oh, seen, I've incredible. seen highlights of it, but I haven't seen a huge reaction to it because I think the David Luiz incident has just overshadowed it all completely so I feel a bit sorry yeah. because it was a, bl- a literal blinder like he was, he must have been about oh, 35 yards out
1: effectively the perfect shot yeah yeah. cannon that's off said. the post it's a great guy um, but yeah like I said they're not not to be disrespectful but they're not a uh, Fulham or a West Brom they're, their players even about Jimenez um, are amazing they've been on this run. I think they said before that they lost 8 or they hadn't won in 8 but you just knew as soon as they got it back however that happened all those players have got it in them to be be top-class players. So, you know, it's nice to uh, take this game out of it. I actually am a big fan of Wolves, and I like a lot of their players, but obviously on the day, you just get frustrated about it. But, yes, yeah, so from a neutral point of view, I'm sure it's great to see Wolves sort of back at it, and hopefully that can continue. But, I don't know. The referees are just... Yeah, it's well, such a good idea, but it's just not being applied Correctly, or at least it's being applied
0: frustratingly. Well, at least so, at least you can I'm take solace four-lander. in um your North London rivals losing at the weekend to seventeenth place Brighton. Um, so yeah. I hope that made up for it. Um, yeah, Spurs were pretty awful for most of the game. I thought. Yeah, I mean they they seem to set themselves out, and I I think Spurs generally are excellent defensively this year, but it's the Mourinho way and it just doesn't seem to click sometimes in terms of your Brighton dominated the first 20 minutes of the game and they got their goal and deservedly so they threatened about two or three times and then they finally put it in the net nicely worked goal I want to side note I think McAllister is going to be a big player in the future whether it's in the Prem but he looks like a baller Um, so I like the look of uh, McAllister and yeah, lovely work goal by uh, Pascal Gross as well into Trossard, and then Spurs they they didn't really threaten until about the seventy fifth minute. Um, yeah. it it's a little bit baffling. Um, they just lacked a bit of urgency. I know Kane's not there, and obviously that's a big blow. There's no there's no doubting that, but they just the spark sometimes seems to go, and it takes them about an hour to recover it during a game. Um, I think that's their issue at the moment. Um, and I think when they signed Gareth Bale, they thought he could be, maybe, if he wasn't going to start, at least the guy they could bring off the bench to have a massive impact on the game and, and turn a game around. But he was awful.
1: Yeah, I mean, Dreadful. that's, that's, that's the thing. I think it just felt like this was the game where he steps up. With, with Kane now, it was like, obviously he could still come good, but it felt like this was kind of now and ever. It's like his big first opportunity where he could be the man. And, I mean, did, he got subbed off really early. I think it wasn't half-time, but it wasn't that lot at all into the second half. So, that signing clearly hasn't gone the way Tottenham wanted to. It just sums up the craziness of this season, though, isn't it? Tottenham, one minute, they're going to win the league. The next minute, they're going to get top four. The next minute, they're going to finish mid-table. It's the same for everyone. And um, credit to Brighton. I mean, I, they get a lot of uh, credit, mode, don't they, with Potter in charge, I think a lot of people like... The way they go about it, I think they do just lack a clinical striker up top. Uh, obviously, Glenn Murray's gone. Um, Welbeck's got injury problems, but I think the trust get the goal.
0: Yeah. I think. Um, but yeah, they,
1: they could get their hands on a top striker. I think they could be a, a solid mid-table side for sure. Well,
0: I'm disappointed to report that they have sold Glenn Murray now, so that was the other I'm pretty sure he's, to going it. To he's gone to Boris.
1: He's gone on loan to someone. He went on loan to someone.
0: I'm pretty sure he'd gone, um, yeah, in the tran- in the January transfer window, just at the end. Oh, mate, that um, is one of the
1: saddest things I've heard
0: all year. <laughs> I love Glamour. Who was one? One final thing. Who was your who was your signing of the transfer window? I know there weren't many big ones. Um,
1: yeah, there's not that many to talk about. Obviously, the one I'd say I'm most excited about would be Odegaard. Um, I mean, there's a lot of talk about how you pronounce his name, but I'm just going to go for that. But uh, <laughs> yeah no he's he's an exciting player it kind of frustrates me a little bit because it's almost like assuming he's in completely injury free for the whole thing six months is not a lot of time at all to sort of have an impact but hopefully he's good enough that he can Um, I honestly can't think of not. I mean Liverpool obviously a few centre-backs on the last day
0: yeah I um, mean um, yeah I like it be good I, like, I, I mean I can't admit to having watched them much I'm not going to sit here and say yeah that. I know much about them, but I'm just glad we brought two players in that seem to fit the profile of what we work towards, both reportedly yeah. very good on the ball, um, calm. Uh, that's what's what, what you want, and that is that is what we based a lot of our recruitment on at the back. Yeah,
1: I would just add as well. I think uh, Josh King to Everton could be a good signing.
0: Yeah,
1: although my only sort of not issue, but I, I question where he's going to fit in. So, 'cause Lewin's got the striker spot that's on lock. That's not going to change. Richarlison tends to play off the left. And I think they play Hammers off the right, don't they?
0: I think he'll be a bench um, I think he'll be a bench player, but he yeah. I think it adds a bit of depth. Because he can bag it he, he could get he could probably get four or five goals if he played enough towards before the end of the season. He is he's a Premier League striker at Mark Yeah he's and, a top player. Um so but the best signing yes um uh, is Nottingham Forest signing Glenn Murray. Um
1: Oh, man. Yeah. Murray
0: is probably the best English striker, yeah. best of all time. It's better than Messi. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So we're not taking, we're not ripping him here. Really. He's just, he's just our like, he's our idol. Oh, we love him. Yeah. yeah, this is the, the, nothing about the
1: sarcastic. We no. think
0: he is the greatest English, yeah. English striker of all time. Um, um, right. Yeah, I think we'll leave it there for the intros. So we've got Carlos on. Um, who is a Barcelona fan and we've we've made it an El Clasico we've got Tavian on who's a Real Madrid fan
1: welcome back to part 2 of today's show Uh, as we mentioned in the first part we've got a Real Madrid and Barcelona fan on today got a little El Clasico show going on so hi everyone Uh, my name is Tavian I support Real Madrid
2: I'm Carlos um, I'll be representing Barcelona today and defending (laughs) representing
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's like a boxing fight
2: yeah (laughs)
0: honestly (laughs) Oh, man. Man. Right, so um, we'll start with uh, we'll start with Carlos. Um, so we want to discuss your both your first memories in football in our new format. Um, so I'd be interested to know w- when your sort of timeline was, when you started sort of following your teams, um, when you first knew about the rivalry, um, and so on. So if we start 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 with Carlos and then we'll move on to Tavian. Uh,
2: in my case, I don't think it's pretty clear. Um. I remember what season it was, it was definitely the first season that Ronaldinho played for Barcelona, um, I was only five years old, so pretty young, but um, Ronaldinho meant so much back in the day for Barcelona, like it was times where um, Barcelona had um, relatively good squad, but nothing amazing, Ronaldinho came and he was like fresh, I don't know, a, a guy that did completely different stuff and played sick, so... It was definitely that season. And if I had to say one game that I remember from that season, I might be wrong, because I was four or five years old. But I think it was a Barcelona, Real Madrid. And I think we won two one. And if I remember right, Xavi scored one of the goals. It was a pretty good goal. One of his best goals in my opinion, because he doesn't normally he didn't normally score. But um yeah, I think that was probably one of my first memories.
0: Yeah, well, I can't really remember watching Ronaldinho too much. I feel like I sort of just missed that. Um, I don't know about you, Sam, but I, I, yeah, I no, wish I, I wish I seen a lot. But yeah, I feel like I just missed that cusp. But I wish Back I kind of the seen day, him
2: in Spain. He was like he was the biggest guy. Mm. Um, obviously, Barcelona. We started winning. I think we won two seasons in a row. I think it was his second season when we started winning, and. Well, he won the Ballon d'Or twice, so as his little kids, it was it was the guy, we all wanted to be like him.
0: Where, where does he uh, rank on your um, best, pass, well, your favourite Barca players of all time?
2: Um, he's, oof, it's a hard decision. I mean, we've had some really good players in the last 20 years. I think there's, there's four players which I have in mind. Um, obviously, Messi, Ronaldinho, and then it would be and Iniesta, because they both represented like the nice way that we played during those um, prime years back in like 2009 to 2015, 16. But if I had to rank Ronaldinho, he was the starting point, so maybe maybe second after Messi.
0: (laughs) It's not a bad place to be. It's not a bad place to be at all. So Tavian, um, from your point of view, where? What was your first memory of football in terms of Real Madrid?
3: Oh, yeah. In terms of Real Madrid, um, so my first memory actually isn't even a match. It's um, in 2009, uh, summer of 2009. So the year that we signed Ronaldo, Kaká, Benzema, um, literally like galactical summer. I went and visited um, my friend in Madrid and we went to the Bernabeu. He's a big Madrid fan. And, um and, and so just going around the stadium watching all of these highlights looking at all the trophies that's like really the first memory I have of like Real Madrid or really any club in football I mean I'm I'm from North America you know football's not a big thing back there my my family never have like a team or anything um but yeah I just remember being there in the stadium it was, it was just really like amazing and the buzz around the club at that time was like insane. I mean, you know, with the signings that was happening. But then in terms of matches, like memorable matches early on as as a Madrid fan, um, probably 2010 Copa del Rey final. um, That was a pretty big one (laughs) where Ronaldo scored the winner. That one's probably one of the earlier matches. Where I remember, or I don't even know if I remember watching it, but like I remember the match so well just from like rewatching highlights and things like that, you know, um, because I didn't really properly start watching, uh, you know, like religiously, until maybe 2012, 2013, around then, maybe twenty eleven as well, with uh, Mourinho. But uh, yeah, so so the kind of kind of two first memories for me with with Madrid.
0: Why? Why initially did you decide to support Madrid? Because obviously, like you said, you, you're from North America. What was just was it was really
3: going to the stadium, you know. Yeah, just that. Just being yeah. there and just seeing everything and you know getting a Sergio Ramos jersey, number four in the back. It was great.
0: Was that, <laughs> was that the first? Um, well, I'm assuming that was the first time you've been to a stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I've only been to two. I've been to Madrid and Barça. It's not a bad couple. Only two. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's
3: not
2: bad combo. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say, uh, those 2010-2011 seasons yeah. with Mourinho and Guardiola, they were probably the most intense yeah. seasons we've had in Spain by far. Yeah. So have you the tension t- before the matches, it was just insane. I remember going to school, and I'm not from Barcelona, <laughs> I'm from Mallorca, which was like a 50-50 split between Barcelona fans and Real Madrid fans. It was just insane. Like <laughs> Going to school on a Monday, it could either be great because Real Madrid had lost,
0: or, or the worst. <laughs> Have you guys watched um, "Take the Ball Pastable" on Amazon Prime? So it's a documentary yeah. on the Barcelona team, but obviously includes a lot of the Mourinho stuff. That's no, a, no, no. Because no. I didn't realize sort of the how intense it was until I watched that. So um, yeah, it's uh... yeah.
2: <laughs> it built up. It built up. It started. I think they pre- they wanted it to be okay. Guardiola wanted it to be okay because. I know Barcelona was already the top team and Real Madrid were trying to be the top team. And Mourinho was always trying to clash against... You know the way Mourinho is. He always wants to get into a bit of a hustle and fighting and everything. And at the beginning, I'd say Guardiola didn't want that thing going on. But by the end of the second season, it was just...
3: (laughs) What what year was it when uh, Mourinho poked... um...
2: Um, yeah, for uh, Milanova, um,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Recipes. Um, <laughs> yeah, in the eye, though, that was that was um, like that 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 was when I was like, oh wow, these guys really hate each other. That was super cup. <laughs> yeah. I think
2: it must have been two thousand and twelve, two thousand and thirteen. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Last, yeah. I think it was probably Mourinho's last season.
3: Yeah, definitely, definitely. In my
2: opinion, Mourinho is one of those coaches that first season and second season he'll have most of the team fully committed mm-hmm. with him, but From what I've seen on most of the teams that he's been to, Real Madrid, um, Chelsea, third third season onwards, there starts to be some chemistry problems there, and he just doesn't perform that well anymore. I don't know. What's your opinion about Mourinho? Because he's been a big... I love him.
3: I love him. Okay. I love Mourinho. But maybe that's because I'm a Madrid fan, and (laughs) he was like my first... He, he was like my first love when it comes to football coaches. But um, I just thought he's, I, I think he's hilarious. Like, I, I, I love the passion he has for the game. Like, I, there's so many good memories of him at Madrid as well. Like, you know, legendary coach for Madrid and just in football in general. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I totally agree. The fact that he fell out with like legends like, you know, Casillas and, you know basically half the dressing room is split between being with him being against him you can't have that as a coach but uh i mean that's just his style like you said you know he pushes teams to to the brink and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but yeah i like him at spurs too Uh, i'm (laughs) i'm kind of a spurs fan just because of
1: (laughs) not fully i I haven't
3: fully committed
1: (laughs) (laughs) and as um Obviously, Wenger is sort of the manager who's been most prominent in my life as an Arsenal fan, so now mm. of respect for him, I think I have to basically hate Jose Mourinho. He pretty much stands for everything Wenger didn't stand for, but no, I, obviously I respect him as a coach, and I have to agree, I think he's pretty funny. And, um, he's definitely got some of those clippable moments for his press conferences, but definitely <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Wenger yeah. and Guardiola side of things. But if we move on to them, I don't know how either of you are going to be able to pick this. Because I'm pretty sure I have a list of my favorite moments from your two teams. Because there's just so many to pick from. If we go to Atavion first, what would your favorite Real Madrid moment be? Number one? Only one?
3: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it has to be La Decima, no? It has to be. It has to be Ramos's header, ninety-two forty-eight. I was so sad, man. Like I I was, I was, I was, I was so ready to just go to bed. (laughs) I was so (laughs) devastated. But um, yeah, I mean, it it has to be like, there's, like you said, there's so many moments I can list. Um, And I was actually thinking of some before, you know, and I had a couple and I was like, yeah, those are good ones. But you know, when it comes down to it, it, it's just like, it was really the defining moment, I think um, for Madrid going on to win, you know, four out of five and then three in a row, eventually, that being like the first out of the four. Um, Because that just like put that mentality in place where it's like, you know, we're not going to lose no matter what happens. Uh, Like, it doesn't matter who we're against. Like, we'll we'll always pull off a, a result somehow. And I think a lot of people didn't like the way Madrid used to win in those like five ish years because it was like we I feel like we did get lucky a lot, but you know, we were so good that it almost made it look like we weren't playing good, but really we were like we had the game in control almost all the time. Um but yeah. So I think you know that just put that mentality of like, okay, we're never gonna lose, we never give up, we'll, we'll come back. Like sorta of, sort of similar to I think like Liverpool have or have had over the past like two years, um, but yeah, so so that that that's definitely my favorite moment,
0: um, so far. I think that's. I, I think that's what the, a lot of the great teams too, and uh, do, and a lot of um, I feel like some fans don't understand in terms of, you don't have to play well to be controlling a game. I mean, we've seen it with Liverpool. I mean, City are kind of a little bit of an exception because I feel like they always play pretty football, whatever. no um, yeah, well, I
3: think. Barcelona, like, is the opposite of what I just said. You know, <laughs> I think when they're dominating yeah. a game, they look beautiful.
0: Teams managed like... by Pep Guardiola. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Carlos, what's your favorite memory? I know I, I've got one, and I said this last week that I that I that is my pick for but...
2: Barcelona. You've got one.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, I was thinking about it. I'm not sure. I think one of them is going to come as a surprise. Okay. Um, I'll go with that one first. I think one of my best memories, most intense, was um, Champions League semifinals 2009 against
0: Chelsea. Um, I know it's going
2: to be controversial because that was (laughs) definitely not an honest win. Because the referee was, um, yeah, I guess we could (laughs) say he didn't make the best decisions. (laughs) But as a Barcelona fan that year, it was Guardiola's first season. We were playing insane. And obviously, Champions is the biggest trophy. And we were winning all of the games really easily. Semi-finals against Chelsea. And neither of the games, we managed to create any good chances. We weren't playing our best football. And it was just so frustrating. It was, I was I was, crying, I was crying. And I don't know, that, that goal on the 90th minute is always going to be um, huge satisfaction. Like, that moment was immense. And then second... Amazing moment, which wasn't a moment where it was more of a match, it was against Real Madrid. Um, Mourinho's first season, we won 5 0 at Bernabeu. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was again pure satisfaction, I'd say. Yeah.
0: Si, si. Oh, and then
2: I've got another one. I've got three, yeah. Glory days for Barcelona have given me plenty of good moments. Um, yeah, the third one would be PSG. PSG come oh, back. Yeah. Mm. It was amazing.
0: You can have another one, Tavi, yeah. if you want.
2: Nah, no, nah, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll take one. I'll yeah. take two. I'll take i
0: I'll,
3: I'll give, like, my, my honorary, sort of, my... Um, Your yeah, my second and third. Um, well, I would definitely put uh, Ronaldo bicycle kick against Juve up there. I, that was just too good of a goal. Like, yeah. I, I was going insane... Champions League, best competition, Ronaldo being like, you know, the top scorer of all time. That was just a massive goal. Um, And it ended up being really crucial. Like at the time, I think it was only 1 0 that brought us to 2 0 in Turin. And we ended up winning 3 0, but then we were down 3 0 at home on the reverse leg. And then he ended up scoring the penalty at the very last minute um, to send us through. But so, like, that goal, even just Being a goal in isolation is like one of the best of all time, but it was actually turned out to be super crucial to send us through. Um, Let's since Carlos put three, I'll put one more Um, (laughs) for a third. Probably similar to Carlos's um, Chelsea, us against Bayern, um, where there was two two years in a row where we had like a fierce rivalry with Bayern, but there was one year and I forget which year it was. Um, I think it was 2016, but Ronaldo scored a hat-trick, and like two of his goals were offside. And I just remember the absolute meltdown from everybody about that match, and it made me so happy.
2: <laughs> <It's funny laughs> I was out.
3: so happy about that match, or about both <laughs> those legs. And then, yeah, so similar to Carlos, maybe because of the refereeing decisions, he,
2: he almost enjoyed the victory more. It's funny how yeah, we don't we don't mind about yeah. whatever referee says as long as we win. Yeah. When you're a fan of a team it does it just doesn't matter. So yeah, the moment- I think it's crazy yeah. the amount
1: obviously like you, you had a limited choice, but the amount you haven't picked there. I, I mean my favorite non arsenal moment was Messi's goal against Neuer, the chip. Mm. You've not got Bale running past Bartra. Mm. You've not got Bale was to an that scored in a 4-0 and uh, got clapped off, I think, at um, yeah. Bernabeu. There's just so many you could pick from. But I just want to quickly ask, um, Tavian, about Bale. Obviously, it's quite a controversial thing in, in sort of the English media about how he's treated in Madrid and things. I want to say your opinion as a Madrid fan. How do you see Bale? A bit like with that Ronaldinho question, where does he rank for you? Uh, in terms of Real
3: Madrid Legends, I don't think he ranks up there that highly uh i don't think he's low on that list either but i just think that you know if you're a legend of a club you respect the club to the end Uh, i don't think he respected the club he's a fantastic player and you know the season he came we started winning champions leagues before that we weren't and then he comes the first season he's in he ends up scoring the winner in the final right so And, I mean, of course, the Copa de Regal. Like, he's had insane moments, and his stats are really good with the club, you know, all things considered. Like, a lot of 100 million-plus signings have been really bad. Like, Hazard, he's just been ruled out for four to six weeks. Like, he's horrible. Barca have had some really bad signings. So, I think, like, all in all, Bale, you know, fantastic player, great signing, you know, and helped, you know, win a lot of trophies for the club. But look at him at Spurs now, he's not even playing. Like, you know, it's yeah. not only a problem with Madrid. I think it's really a problem with Bale himself. Um, I think the injuries just caught up to him. He can't play consecutive games anymore. Uh, and yeah, it's too bad. Because
1: yeah,
3: in, yeah. in his prime, he was a, a beast, fantastic player. Yeah,
1: he's
2: incredible but, yeah. when he
1: first came to you.
2: Mm. In my opinion about Bale, um, when, he, when he played for Madrid back in the day when they won the Champions League, the issue with him the issue with him is that Re- cristiano ronaldo was obviously the leader he was the star and when he left i guess people expected him to be sort of the leader in mm-hmm. the team and he just he ended up not being on the starting 11 yeah so yep. that's the reason why i think he'll never be remembered as a big legend for real madrid unlike other players yeah I, yep. I don't know Sergio ramos is obviously going to be remembered as one of the yeah, big guys he might be <laughs> What do you That's think a, about that? That's
3: I, I was actually going to talk about this in uh, the transfers section. So I'll, I'll, keep, I'll <laughs> keep it in my right? pocket. let
0: leave it. So move she, uh, we'll move on. Move on yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll move on to... Uh, see, uh, my moment was, and I said this in the last episode we did, we're going to talk about our favourite moment in football in general, not just for our team. Um, and I, I, think, I think I picked Ajax, but the one from... Um, a Barça Real Madrid perspective was the uh, injury time winner from Messi at the Bernabeu, where he takes <laughs> off his shirt. Um I forgot about
2: that.
1: that <laughs> we still want the league that year, we still want the <laughs> league <You admit> <laughs> I just want to say we've got everyone's video on and every time one of you or one of us mentions one team winning or one team scoring, <laughs> the other one just looked away in disgust <laughs> every time. <laughs> oh,
0: man Yeah, so we'll start with um we'll start with Carlos on this one. Um, if you've got one moment in football that doesn't include Barcelona or Real Madrid for that matter, because um, I doubt you're going to pick a Real Madrid moment, but um, what would it be? What's your favourite moment or favourite memory?
2: Oh, I guess it's obvious. Being from Spain, it has to be Spain winning the World Cup. Um, yeah, no doubt about that. It's probably the best moment I've had in football, mm-hmm. like counting Barcelona too. I'd say Spain winning the World Cup was amazing. <laughs>
0: Can't argue with that, can you? I mean, <laughs> none of us can argue with that. It's the best. It's the best thing. Um, yeah, you can't get more than that. No, if we won the World Cup, I'd be the same. So, Tavon, how about you?
3: Yeah, tough question. I mean, I don't have a national team to fall back on, right? Um, maybe Switzerland beating Spain in the World Cup in 2010. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that. It's not that. Um, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have one moment outside of Madrid. It's pretty tough for me. Uh, you no, know, uh, Ronaldo free kick against Spain. That was also pretty nice. Sorry, Carlos. Everything's against Spain, apparently. <laughs> I think it's
2: against me, <laughs>
3: the US. No, no, no. I I, I I, will say, in terms of like club football, um, Chelsea winning the Champions League against Bayern was pretty epic. The drawback wow. goal was pretty insane. Like, you know... Um, and as a Madrid fan, there's a bit of a rivalry between Bayern, less so with Chelsea. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that that was that was pretty crazy. And then, um, yeah, I'll, I'll say that as my moment. Um, maybe Zidane's head, but that's also there too. That's,
0: <laughs> that's one of my yeah. earliest memories so, of football.
3: Yeah, Honestly. yeah. My earliest memory of football actually is 2006 World Cup, but the semis between Brazil and France. I was actually in France, but I was rooting for Brazil. I was walking around the streets with like Brazil like uh, wristbands and headbands <laughs> on the day before. I was, just, I was like some six-year-old. I was probably like, this kid.
1: <laughs> just trying
0: to know, know. the whole French right. population.
1: Yeah, so if we um, if we move on, because this question we've already talked about a little before, and we've had this with the other shows. It's probably been the hardest question for everyone. Um, but just before I go into your guys, I just want to quickly bring up with Carlos my answer. I don't know if you listened to the first one. My answer for this, as an Arsenal fan, was that we got Suarez when it was rumored in the forty million and one pound. And I just wanted your opinion now. On, what do you make of the Suarez move to Atletico? Because obviously it's come in for a lot of heat from a lot of people.
2: Disaster, absolute disaster. <laughs> I mean, it's just another bad decision that uh, Barcelona have had in the recent years. I don't know if you've seen it, but um, I think it was two days ago, three days ago. Um, it was published the debt that Barcelona have at the moment. It's over a €1,000 million, um, Euros, which is absolutely insane. And especially taking into account that now we're in really tough times with all of the COVID and stuff. Um, there's no way that teams are going to earn that much to, to bring it back. So it's it's insane. But yeah, that Saras transfer was really bad. And on top of that, I heard um, a couple of weeks ago that um, Barcelona's president, he didn't want to sell it for free, because obviously no one wants to sell a, a player for free. But he didn't want... Kuman didn't want um, Suarez to stay at Barcelona, and obviously Suarez's wage was insane too. Nowhere near as Messi's, but still it's pretty <laughs> big. So what he did is... Um, Atletico were going to pay 6 million, which is a bargain for Suarez. But... um. Nowadays Barcelona is still paying six million out of the fourteen that he earns per year, so basically he left for free. Um, yeah, we're basically paying Atletico, one of our direct opponents, for their one of the best strikers in the world to win the league. It's <laughs> it's it's I don't know. Yeah, nah, it's so it's, bad. Um, it's a weird
1: one. Yeah, but yeah, if we if we do head on to your guys then. So we'll go to we'll go back to you then, Carlos. For this one, yep. who's the? I mean we talked about this like we said before it's difficult for you guys to pick because you've had most of the best players in the world but who's the one player you wish Barcelona could have signed?
2: It's really tough. Um, If I had to say a player that I've been really jealous that another team has had is Modric Luka Modric. Um, I think he's a player that he plays the way that Barcelona like to play and he would have fitted perfectly into Barcelona and one of the most important players for madrid to have won um for champions League, um it's it's got to be modric so if i had to pick one player i think it'd be modric i don't know if it comes to, as a surprise but yeah
0: i mean that's, that's the one slight surprise but i feel like you guys have had such a depth of talent it's, it's it is a tricky one for both of you um more than pro i'd say more than probably any other clubs over the last 10 years maybe apart from Maybe it's just Juve, but that's about that's why I would say. But Tavian, what about you? Oh, it's probably <laughs> even harder for Tavian.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, so I wouldn't change anything from our squad between literally twenty thirteen fourteen till uh almost now or this summer, like the past summer. We didn't sign anybody, and you know, look at us now. Um, so I, I it wouldn't be assigning to improve the past team it will be assigning to improve the current team and with ramos looking like he's probably gonna leave um which i hope he doesn't i i really hope he doesn't but you know contract issues money all of that uh i i, I really wish we would have signed David, um from ix because uh, i think he's going to be really top class um and I think he's already playing pretty well for UV. Uh yeah. I watch a decent amount of UV games for, for the good old time's sake. <laughs> um but uh yeah, yeah, Dilit would would be my choice.
0: Do you see if Delict had gone there, would you have seen him as a direct Ramos replacement or do you think someone else would have had to fill that role as a leader?
3: Yeah, well I would have hoped for him to do well, no, honestly I would have hoped for Varane to fill in Ramos's shoes in terms of leadership. But I think we saw in the city, like both of the city matches last year, uh, and honestly, this season he's been pretty poor. Uh, and when Ramos doesn't play, he looks lost. So I don't know. I, yeah, I, I guess my answer to your question is yes. I, I would, I would have hoped Dilid to come in one, and really. One more
0: you know. question about that because mm. you say that um, Varane's been poor without when, he, especially when Ramos hasn't played. Um, but then we saw Real
3: Madrid is poor without Madrid. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So,
0: do you think that comes down to coaching? Because we saw at the World Cup, Mtiti and Varane play together under Deschamps, a very good defensive system, um, and it worked wonders. They hardly, they, they, I can't, I don't know how many goals they conceded, but it wasn't many. Um, so do you think it's more of a coaching issue or?
3: Not really. I mean, who did France play that was any good apart from Argentina, Belgium? They shipped, they sh- yeah, but Belgium, uh, like the. <laughs> But, the, 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 like, club teams are so much better than national teams, just because they're playing together week in, week out, you know? Like, I don't I don't really think it comes down to coaching. Um, yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying, but France also have an insane squad around them. That's true. You know, they, they've, and then, you know, they also have Kante filling in the gaps right in front of them, which, you know, isn't can't be gone unnoticed. I'm mean, sure they have has Casemiro in front of him right now, but he's a bit of a loose cannon sometimes. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It might be down to coaching. I, I, I just think there's a weird thing, a weird mental bug. Um, and I hope that it's not anything serious, but uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to tell.
0: So that's all for now. Uh, thank you to Tavian and Carlos for coming on. We've had a great discussion. Uh, me and Sam will be back next week with another guest or two um check us out on spotify on youtube and check out our twitter page Um, and any comments any suggestions um leave them there they're all they're all appreciated see you next week